When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, someone waits for me. Welcome to you to Philco Radio Time, produced and transcribed in San Francisco with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra and Bing's guests, William Powell, William Gargan, and Peggy Lee. And now we bring you the mighty hunter who just blew in from Elko, Nevada with a four-point buck, the Daniel Boone of the 20th century and the handyman with a gun, Mr. Bang Crosby. Just a minute, Kenneth. My gun goes bing. All right, then. Bing Crosby. Hey, right. Kenneth. So you found out uh, I'd been deer hunting, huh, Ken? Oh, yes. I saw a picture of you in the paper. When you got off the train, you had two beautiful deer with you. No, Ken, I only had one deer. The other was Bill Gargan. <laughs> that boy needs a haircut. Yes, or maybe a Tony Cole wave to tighten up his curls or oh. something. Set it a little better. <laughs> Bing, how did you get the deer over here from Nevada? I brought it on the train, the city of San Francisco. We shared an upper berth. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> what about Gargan? Well, he's a very bad shot. He had to sleep alone. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> However, Ken, my dear, I find him great company. We're rooming together here. What? Yes. You got that deer at the St. Francis with you? Who's at the St. Francis? We're living in a cold storage locker. Keep that meat. storage yes. locker. You comfortable there? Well, I am now, but it took a couple days to get used to the hook. Oh, yeah. Well, here's Gargan. Hello, Bill. How are you? Hi, Bing. Hello, Ken. Hey, hey uh, Bill, Bing was just telling me about the deer he shot. The deer he shot? I got that deer. Yeah, yeah, time. Bill, we both shot at the same time, you remember? Yeah. Now, isn't it logical that the better hunter got the deer? I have a very keen eye, you know. Well, so have I. Ever since I was a kid, I've been hunting squirrels the hard way. Hunting squirrels the hard way? How's that? I hit them on the head with a rock, and I shoot them through the lump. Pretty good. <laughs> been around Bob Burns lately, isn't it? <laughs> well, you might be all right with squirrels, but when it comes to deer, I can't give you much. You don't even know how to stalk an animal. Oh, is that so? You've got to be alert. Did you notice me when I was trailing that buck? Yeah. I had my ears to the ground all the time. That wasn't all that was dragging. Please. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, are you going to admit that I shot the deer or not? <laughs> I tell you what, Bill, if it make you happy, you can have the deer. On the level? No, it's on a hook. Here's the key to my cold storage locker. Well, thanks. And here's the key to my room at the palace. Oh, it'll be great sleeping in a bed again. And horizontal, too. And now, if you gentlemen will excuse me, I do think it's time for a song. So here's Hair of Gold, dedicated to the Peroxide Corporation of America. Shall we then, John Scott? Hmm? I came down from Butte, Montana For a little change of scene And I stopped a day in Santa Fe Where I met a pretty queen Hair of gold, eyes of blue Lips like cherry wine The prettiest gal I ever knew And I'm gonna make her mine 
I planned to leave on Monday, but she held me kind of tight. So I held my ground and I hung around, and I left on Friday night. Hair of gold, eyes of blue, lips like cherry wine. The prettiest gal I ever knew, and I'm gonna make her mine. I was kind of blue and lonely, so I took my horse and pack. And on Sunday morn, I was up and gone, heading south and riding back. At the gate, I found her waiting. I was happy as could be. Then I told her that I loved her true, and she said that she loved me. Hair of gold, eyes of blue. Lips like cherry wine, the prettiest gal I ever knew, and I'm gonna make her mine. I'm gonna make that pretty little gal with hair of gold and eyes of blue and lips like cherry wine, all I can't. I don't want to sell a lot of peroxide. Well, maybe so, but now it's time to sell a little Philco. You've been off the show for two weeks. You should be loaded. Oh, I am, Bing. Take to the hills, folks. This boy is gone. I am real gone, Bing. And why not? I got the hottest story since they took the horns off phonographs. Philco's new kind of radio phonograph that plays the 45-minute record. On the level, folks, this is the greatest invention of our times in recorded music. Working with the experts who produced the long-playing record, Philco engineers have created an amazing new tone arm, Philco's Balanced Fidelity Reproducer. Now, to begin with, it's lightweight. And if you want to know how light is lightweight, just uh, take a nickel out of your pocket and heft it in your hand. That's all the pressure Philco's new tone arm puts on the record. And starting from there, the Philco Laboratories designed an entirely new kind of reproducer to bring out the wonderful tone fidelity of the long-playing records. They're made of high-quality vinyl lights, you know, non-breakable, and so lifelike you won't believe you're listening to a record when you hear them on a Philco. As for record scratch, well, you just don't hear it. Get a free demonstration now of this marvelous new phonograph invention from Philco, the leader. Mr. Joe Venuti, the well-known pizza baker and violinist, has collaborated with Lee Jarvis on a tune called Ain't Doing Bad, Doing Nothing. Say, Joe, I hear that your tune ain't doing bad. I hear it ain't doing nothing. Well, let's get in here and push it. I ain't doing bad, doing nothing. Just laying around all day. I'm telling you, the less I do, the more things come my way When I get up in the morning Thinking of the day ahead Makes me so downright weary I go right back to my bed 
Why should I ever worry? It's such a losing game. Why should I move when I can prove that I get there just the same? Ain't doing bad, doing nothing. Somehow it seems to pay. I ain't doing bad, doing nothing. Just laying round all the day. Look at me and say, be something. How much more is it gonna pay? I ain't doing bad, doing nothing. Just laying round all the day. Just laying round all day. Tonight, folks, we welcome back a girlfriend of yours and of mine. She's sort of been playing hooky from our little Philco Fun Fest for a time. She's a great singer. Got her own show now for Chesterfield. As far as we're concerned, we'll always buy Peggy Lee. Purr something into the mic, Peggy. Hi, me. Hi. Mm. Peggy, you've, you've changed. There's something different. Well, sure, Bing. I have a new coiffure. Yeah, and you've had your hair cut, too. <laughs> Very soigné. Well, thank you. <laughs> Now, have you got a real mellow tune for us, uh, Sissoir? Hmm? Well, I thought I might do Love, Your Magic Spell is Everywhere. Oh, I'm just going to pull up a chaise lounge and get spellbound out of this American country. <laughs> Love, Your Magic Spell Too late 
Thank you, Peggy. It's a pleasure now to introduce a gentleman who is tops in the movie industry. You'll remember him as the man who was thin. As a senator, he was indiscreet. As father, he had quite a life. And under the name of Mr. Peabody, he holds the record mermaid catch with three thread line and light tackle. You've all won the jackpot question because everybody knows it's William Powell. Thank you, Bing. Now, well, Bill, it's certainly nice of you to come up for our show. Is this your first trip to San Francisco? No, Bing, I came up here years ago with Portola. Oh, now, just a minute, Don. <laughs> Don Gaspar de Portola discovered San Francisco Bay in 1769. Surely you weren't kicking around then. Oh, I don't mean Portola the Explorer, Bing. No. This was Max Portola, my chauffeur. Oh. Uh, we drove up here to make a Thin Man picture. Say, Bill, speaking of the Thin Man, you uh, remember that other detective you used to play, Philco Vance? Bing, that's Philo Vance. <laughs> Just, uh, look at your script. It's Philco Vance. Look at your contract. <laughs> you know, Bill, I'm glad, really, to have this opportunity to talk to you, because I've always admired you as an actor. You're so suave and so polished. Yes, Bing, and the polish of my acting has received official recognition. What do you mean? The Johnson Wax Company has just voted me their man of distinction. Well, isn't that... <laughs> and I'll bet you never drank a glass of wax in your entire life. I'll bet you use it on your stash. They'll say, tell me, Bill, is that mustache real? I didn't buy it from I.J. Fox. <laughs> no, but Bill, what I was getting at, I, I would like your advice on something. What could I do to help my acting? Well. Oh, well, how about my singing? 
Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Seriously, though, Bing, there's nothing wrong with your acting because you don't act. With you, it just comes naturally. But I'm tired. I'm tired of being just little old me. Oh, well, if, if you really want to ham it up, I think you should try to be more dashing, more swashbuckling. Well, I can't be swashbuckling. Every time I swash, I buckle. <laughs> you know, Bing, I, I was thinking the other day, there's, there's a good deal of coincidence in the pictures we've made. A coincidence? What do you mean, Bill? Well, I've made a lot of detective stories, and now I hear you're going to make a detective story. It's true. Anne Blythe was my leading lady in Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid, and now she's going to be your leading lady. Yeah, and that mermaid's of age now. I won't have to throw her back. <laughs> well, here's, here's a further coincidence, Bing. Hmm? I made life with father, and now I understand you're going to be a father. Gonna be a father? Bill, where have you been? Yes, that's right. The stork did bless you and Dixie with a boy, didn't he? Bless. We were bombarded. <laughs> See, you know, if I could handle our kids like you did in life with father... Well, children were much easier to handle in those days, Bing. It was a, a slower-paced era. Anyhow, this gives me an idea. Bill, why don't we do a gay 90s play? Bill Gargan and I will be dashing young blades who are in love with Peggy Lee, and you'll be her father. Oh, no, no, no. I want to be a gay young blade, too. But, Bill, you were so good in life with father. Forget life with father. Give me a part where there's life in father. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill, you can be a gay young blade, and Gargan will play the father. You don't mind, do you, Gargan? You're darn right I mind. What a sweetheart that Gargan is. <laughs> John, whip us back to the gay 90s, will you? It is 1890, and the place is beautiful Telegraph Hill overlooking San Francisco Bay. Say, hmm? I saw you with a pretty blonde yesterday. Let's go call on her. William Powell, you're a cad. I'm a card, too. Well, come on, let's go call on your girl. Well, her name is Peggy Lee Gargan, and her father is a police officer. Police officer Gargan, huh? Mm -hmm. I hear he's pretty tough. Yes, sirree. He sure raised Cain when I brought Miss Peggy home last night. Hmm. Her old man put his foot down, huh? That ain't where he put it. Here is Peggy's house. Well, knock on the door. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. May I kiss your hand? Well, of course. You know, Peggy, I was, uh... Peggy! Peggy! Why, that blundering Powell missed her hand and caught her square on the mouth. You sure have nice friends, Mr. Crosby. Gee, Peggy, remember last night when I hired the buggy and a team of horses and how I headed them into the woods and how we were parked there for over an hour? Yes, and I didn't even notice the time with all that kissing going on. Me neither. Those two horses sure were in love with each other. <laughs> you know, watching them made me think of you and me. Why don't we be like them and get hitched? <laughs> well, I've thought a lot about marrying you, Mr. Crosby, but... Now that I've met Mr. Powell, I've changed. I don't understand. That's because you're not a woman. <laughs> My dear Miss Peggy, I would be honored indeed to have your hand in marriage. Think how happy we could be together. You and I on a bicycle built for two. And maybe someday we'll have a bicycle built for three. And what will the other little seat be for? 
I figure I ought to have some place to put my feet while you're peddling. <laughs> I guess it's up to you to choose between us, Miss Peggy. Oh, but that's not for me to decide. You must ask my father. What's going on here? Sir, I came to ask permission to marry your daughter. Me too. I'm sorry, but I've already promised her hand to Timothy Michael Patrick Francis O'Doul. An Irish lad, huh? Hmm. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> it makes no difference to me what an Irishman's nationality is. <laughs> Say, by the way, what's your name? Crosby, sir. And what makes you think you could support my daughter? Well, sir, I've studied singing. I've been studying light opera. Light opera? Seems to me I've heard of it. Well, it's very fine. Do you like Gilbert and Sullivan? Who? I say, do you like Gilbert and Sullivan? I like Sullivan. What about Gilbert? <laughs> what about Gilbert? Well, if he's all right with Sullivan, he's all right with me. <laughs> By the way, young Crosby, huh? what about this other fella? Who is this cake eater? What do you do for a living? I hope someday to be an actor. Well, my daughter isn't going to marry you, and she isn't going to marry that singer. I don't want a singer in my family. But you already have a singer in your family. Miss Peggy sings mighty pretty. Well, that's different. Come on, Miss Peggy. Let's sing a song for your father. All right. And what will I do? You go over in the corner and act. You like this song, <laughs> Mr. Gargan. It's so brand new, it won't be written for 50 years. You came a long way from St. Louis. Climb the ladder of success I've seen the town and country cars That were parked out in front Of your fancy address I came a long way from St. Louis oh, Yes, indeed, you got around And broke a lot of hearts between I met a gang of gloomy guys Who were doing all right Till I came on the scene You fractured them You blew in from the middle west First class Certainly the population hereabouts Well, baby, I got news for you I'm from Missouri, too So naturally, I got my doubts I got them dropping by the wayside A feeling I ain't gonna know You came a long way from St. Louis But, baby, you still got a long way to go Say, Peg, you're a North Dakota gal, and I hail, as the fella says from the state of Washington. Oh, partner, that's an opening for a parody, if I ever heard one. It certainly appears so. You came a long way from Tacoma. I really took it on the land. I should have stood in bed and spoken instead, but I just lost my head. What a ham. You came a long way from Dakota. Should have stayed back on the farm We'd have missed you Some people say it probably would have been better But somebody twisted my arm You came here from the Middle West And certainly impressed The population hereabouts I never thought I'd see the day I'd sing with you this way You mean you ever had I your had doubts it. I didn't do so well in Memphis I laid an egg in Tennessee And we remember all the times we were fired Or else we were hired for free So we won't be forgetting you, no 
that we still have a long way to go. Musical travelogue. I really enjoyed you came a long way from St. Louis. Okay, Carp, we know you got a commercial that came a long way from Philadelphia. <clears throat> well, it may be, Bing, but anyway, it's just a short walk to your Philco dealer where you can get a free demonstration of the first big-time phonograph invention since the automatic record changer. Philco has just come out with a whole series of revolutionary new radio phonographs that leave the conventional phonograph as dead as a dodo bird. Now, these new Philcos give you not only a new kind of record changer with a two-speed turntable that plays two different kinds of records, but also two separate tone arms. One plays your standard records automatically, and the other is an entirely new reproducer specially designed for the new 45-minute record. This new type of reproducer was pioneered in the Philco laboratories at the request of the engineers who developed the long-playing record. Together, they're a matchless music combination. So if you want to find out what this new long-playing record is all about, listen to the real thing on a Philco, famous for quality the world over. Still a very big song this season, sung with great success by Doris Day, featured vocalist on a certain comedian's radio show, practically saves the show every week. You sigh, the song begins You speak and I hear violins It's magic The stars desert the skies And rush to nestle in your eyes It's magic Without a gold Wand or mystic charms. Fantastic things begin when I am in your arms. When we walk hand in hand. World becomes a wonderland, it's magic. How else can I explain those rainbows when there is no rain? It's magic. Why do I tell myself these things? that happen are all really true when in my heart I know the magic is my love for you Well, it's time now. Well, it's high time now to move along, to thank you folks who have gathered here in the San Francisco Civic Auditorium to drop your dollars in the hat for the Boys Club of America 
and for the Bellman Preparatory College Building Fund. Also, my thanks to William Powell, William Gargan, and Peggy Lee for a great contribution in the entertainment department. I enjoyed being here, Bing. Me too. What happens next week, Bing? Next week, Peg, you're going to be with us. Well, thank you. And also, we will have Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd. Should be quite a show. Well, Bing, aren't you going to have Edgar Bergen on the program, too? I don't know, Bill. I guess not. You got to have Bergen. Charlie and Mortimer can't talk without him. All right, then they can sing. Well, they can't sing without Bergen either. Well, maybe I should get Bergen. He can sing for me, too. <laughs> Say, that deer I shot is available for guest shots, Bing. No, we'll hold him for television, Bill. <laughs> thanks, you, you talented ones, and good night, folks, and thanks very much. This program was produced and transcribed in San Francisco by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in to Philco Radio Time next week and hear Bing Crosby, John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, the Rhythm Airs, and Bing's guests, Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Snurd, Edgar Bergen, and Peggy Lee. William Powell appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor picture, The Three Musketeers, starring Lana Turner, Gene Kelly, and June Ellison. And remember, keep your eye on your Philco dealer now for the newest thing in radio phonographs from Philco... The leader. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And from Hollywood, here comes the star-studded show train. Tonight, your railroads, through the Association of American Railroads, present the musical hit, Roberta. In our star-studded cast, you will hear the host of our series, Gordon MacRae. Two famous guest stars, Eddie Bracken and Jan Clayton. Nana Bryant as Madame Roberta, Viola Vaughn as Schwarenka, and a cast of Hollywood featured players, including Sheila Stevens and Rye Billsbury. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the entire production is set to the music of Carmen Dragon's Orchestra, and brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and the things you use in your daily life. And now, here is Gordon McRae. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gordon McRae helping to bring you another in our series of musical successes. Tonight, the Railroad Hour presents the story of a French modiste. A musical show that ran for more than a year on Broadway was a big hit on the screen and has played season after season in theaters all over the country. It's Roberta, with book and lyrics by Otto Harbach and music by Jerome Kern. Tonight I play the part of Johnny Kent, falls out of love with one girl and into love with another. 
The one I want to marry at the final curtain is named Stephanie, assistant to Madame Roberta, the famous Parisian modiste. I met Stephanie when Madame Roberta, who was really my Aunt Minnie, cabled me to come to Paris at once. With such a charming star as Miss Jan Clayton playing the part of Stephanie this evening, I'm very glad I visited Madame Roberta, especially when I heard Stephanie sing... My friend Huckleberry Haynes, the famous band leader, went to France with me. When we got to Le Havre, Huck decided to rehearse his band in the dock. Well, I went to see about getting our stuff through customs. I'd introduce Huck to you if he and his band weren't getting ready to do a number, but I'm sure you know him well. Because Huckleberry Haynes is played by our other guest star this evening, the very popular young comedian, Mr. Eddie Bracken. Oh, so sings haven't helped you. Now that you got me going, what you gonna do? Is it up to me? Is it up to you? What kind of game is this you've begun? Was it done just for fun? I suspect you'll be wrecked when she answers you quite direct. Is this to be a case of falling glad you fell? Kiss and never tell, folly and farewell. What is it gonna be, lose or win? Cry a grin, let's begin. Is this to be a case of falling? Glad you fell. Kiss and never tell. Folly and farewell. Which is it gonna be? Lose or win? Try a gin. Let's begin. Huck was still rehearsing when I finally got through customs and hurried over to him calling, Okay, Huck, let's go. Hold it, hold it, fellas, hold it. Well, Johnny, how do you feel, boy? Oh, who cares? All I want to do is get to Paris, find out what Aunt Minnie wants with me, and then go home. What's eating you? Hey, don't tell me you're still fretting about that witch, Sophie. Oh, Sophie's got something, Huck. Yeah, and I'm allergic to it. <laughs> Besides, she's too old for you, Johnny. She's 25 if she's a day. She's only 23. That's a right cue. Oh. <laughs> Watch out now, here comes Sophie Well, for crying out loud, tell her to get lost Tell her to turn blue Tell her to go to... Hello, Sophie <laughs> Pardon me, Mr. Haynes Would you mind stepping to one side? You're obstructing traffic Oh, now, Sophie, just a minute I've got to talk to you Well, it won't do you any good, Johnny Frankly, I'm interested in much bigger things Well, maybe I can fix you up with an octopus Very funny <laughs> Very funny, Huck. Very funny indeed. You should stick to your music. Oh, good idea. Let's go, boys. Well, what are we supposed to do, dance? Oh, I just want another chance to square myself with you, Sophie. With words and music by Huck Haynes, I suppose. Well, go ahead and see if I care. You're 
so far above me To think of mating I never could dare You couldn't ever be lonely and love me You're much too clever to care how I care You were destined for Rooms. You were fashioned for princess to see. Still, I keep dreaming of you in my own rooms. And there you whisper, I love you to me. You're devastating and so Destined for purple-hued throne rooms You were fashioned for princess to see Still I keep dreaming of you in my own rooms And there you whisper poured my heart out in song and Sophie just walked away from me. But I forgot her on the train thinking about my Aunt Minnie and what a success she had been as Madame Roberta, the most famous modiste in all France. And when we got to Paris, I could hardly wait to get to her place and knock on the door. Johnny! Aunt Minnie! Oh, oh, Johnny, I'm so happy to see you. But your ship must have docked hours ago. Where have you been? <laughs> Learning about French customs. Already? Oh, Johnny, let me look at you. You're more handsome than ever. Ah, and you're more beautiful than ever, Aunt Minnie. Oh, well, this is Stephanie, Johnny. She's the real Madame Roberta now. How do you do? I'm pleased to meet you. Isn't she pretty? Oh, if you'll excuse me, I must get back to the fitting room and get that gown ready for Mademoiselle Schwerenko. Oh, she'll be screaming her head off. Good, we'll have it stuffed. How do you like Stephanie, John? Oh, very nice, very nice indeed. I want you two to get along well together. It's so important for you to be happy, and you can be, if your tomorrows are as happy as your yesterdays. When you get to be my age, Johnny, you live in the past. Voices of old friends, old loves ring in your ears. Don't you remember what I told you when you were a little boy? Yes, Aunt Minnie. You told me that yesterdays gave one courage to face tomorrow. Why, I even remember the song you sang to me. Yesterdays, yesterdays, days I knew as happy, sweet, 
Yes, Aunt Minnie? Tell me about this Sophie you wrote that you were engaged to. Oh, I'm not engaged anymore, Aunt Minnie. We had a fight the night of our graduation a dance. A fight? Yes, about a dress she was wearing, Aunt Minnie. It was kind of... Well, you see, there wasn't much to it. So I told her I didn't like it, and she said... She said what? She said I was a small-town hick. Oh. And a couple of other things. She sounds horrible. Oh, she is, not Aunt Minnie. She's wonderful. We've had some wonderful times together. Sir, am I glad am I for today I'm dreaming of Many loved that song, but she wanted to talk. We reminisced for nearly an hour when suddenly from the other room came the sound of an angry woman's voice. What's that for Pete's sake? That is Shvarenka, Johnny. A customer of mine, a Russian dancer, and a... Oh, Shvarenka. That... Oh, that, 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 Stephanie. She has called me names. That, 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 common, ordinary Hey, little... now, just a second. Oh, get out of my way. Madame Roberta, I have never insulted anyone. Oh, she lies. You handle this situation, Johnny. I'll take care of Stephanie. Oh, take your hands off me. Take them off. Oh. oh. I do not notice what is holding me. <laughs> what a arm. What a chest. Only America makes a chess like that. Hey, now, it's your turn to let go of me. <laughs> what? You do not like Schwarenka? Sure, sure I like you, but... Uh... But you think Schwarenka might be hard to handle, eh? Well... Uh... Well, could be, could be. <laughs> I'll be hard to handle... 
I promise you that. So when our apes came, don't start to complain and leave me flat. I'll be hard to handle. How else can I be? I say with a shrug, eh, a fellow's a mug to fool with me. Be a lover who enthuses, always mind your P's and Q's. Watch your step or you're apt to get crowned. If you try to pull a fast one, our romance will be a past one with you resting six feet underground. I'll be hard to handle, my bridges are burned. Be careful with me, cause I'm TNT where you're concerned. I'm going to kick and scream till you get rough. Then, when you're shown enough, I'll be hard to handle where you're concerned. Oh, and now my wonderful American kiss me. Hey, I am. Well, 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 I see you got Paris well in hand. And don't try to tell me this is your Aunt Minnie. Ah, another American. But where is your chest? <laughs> it slipped down on the back and came up under an assumed name. <laughs> Where's my chest? Well, Schwarenka, you've calmed down, I see. Oh, Madame Roberta Schwarenka apologizes. Tomorrow, I come back for another fit. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. <laughs> but remember, if you don't behave yourself, my nephew will be here to handle you. Ooh, how lovely. <laughs> Detestable woman. Imagine being married to her. I'd probably love it. <laughs> and, Minnie, I want you to meet my friend, Huck Haynes. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Haynes? I didn't see you when I came in. I know. I'm always the same color as the wallpaper. <laughs> I'm so glad that you boys have... have... Aunt Minnie, what's wrong? Oh, it, it's nothing to worry about, dear. Just after... After 75 years, my heart gets a little tired once in a while. Well, maybe Huck and I'd better clear out and let you rest. Perhaps just for a little while, Johnny. Goodbye, Madam Roberta. Goodbye, Mr. Haynes. Goodbye, John, dear. Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie. Oh, yes, Madame Roberta. Uh, do you not think you had better rest now? In just a minute, Stephanie, dear. How did you like him? Uh, very, very much, Madame. I'm glad. Now I think I will rest until my lawyer comes. It's very important that I see him, Stephanie. There's something I haven't done, and I... Oh, do not worry about a thing, Madame. Please, just rest. Will you sing to me, Stephanie? Well, of course, if you want me to. Sing the song I love so much, Stephanie.
Stop, Stephanie, please. Oh, now, who's that? Aunt Minnie. Oh, John, dear, come in. Stephanie's singing to me. But I... Uh... Oh, no, no, nothing is so important that it can't wait until Stephanie's finished, John. Go on, Stephanie, dear. You and I, throughout a summer day, have walked a sunlit way or stopped to play. And I have wandered hand in hand Throughout a happy land That we had planned I had hoped that our way Might end Where the sky And the blue horizon blend Yet we've both walked our Stephanie, Aunt Minnie isn't asleep. She's... Turn with Roberta in just a moment. But first, here is a reminder. If you want a good picture of just how busy our country is, one of your best yardsticks is the number of freight cars loaded and moved each week. The Car Service Division of the Association of American Railroads keeps an accurate check on such figures. They report that during 10 weeks out of the past 11, an average of more than 900,000 cars have been loaded each week. That's nearly enough loaded cars each week to make three unbroken trains stretching all the way from the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean. This year, the average freight train has turned out more transportation service an hour than ever before. This was done first by hauling more tons in each train, and second by keeping the trains moving faster and more steadily. 
Another thing that helped to improve our railroad service has been the new freight cars, which the railroads are building and buying as fast as they can get them. And these new cars are but one item in the billion-dollar-a-year improvement program of the railroads. One detail in their determined drive to provide still better service for you. And now back to Roberta, starring Eddie Bracken, Jan Clayton, and your host, Gordon McRae. Aunt Minnie passed away before she could sign her will. And since I was certainly no dressmaker, Stephanie and I became Madame Roberta Incorporated. And after a couple of weeks, we gave our first fashion show. And Huck was more excited about it than I was. Brother, I never saw such a crowd. And all dames. All dames. <laughs> Is that bad? Who said it was bad? Oh, everything's ready, Johnny. Oh, the dresses look wonderful, Stephanie. All except... Uh, except what, Johnny? Well, I hate to ask you this, Stephanie, but would you mind not showing that chartreuse dress? Hey, you going crazy? That little number has everything. I mean, it has nothing. I mean, it brings out the, uh, uh, um, well, I mean, in the, well, it, it works out the, uh, it, it has, uh, uh, wow. Well, just the same, I'd appreciate it, Stephanie, if you don't show that dress. It reminds me of a dress, a girl I was, well, a girl I knew wore at our graduation dance. I didn't like the dress then, and I still don't. Oh, well, then, of course, we won't show it, Johnny. Thanks. Fashion shows seemed to be a great success. They liked every gown we showed them. Afternoon dresses, sportswear, evening gowns, and then came our biggest events. Ladies and gentlemen, for our last number, Madame Roberta Incorporated is proud to present the bridal gown that was designed and will be modeled by my partner, Mademoiselle Stephanie. Well. In that wedding gown, Stephanie did something to me. I don't know what. And then just as I was about to speak to her, my girl, Sophie Teal, came up out of the audience and threw her arms around me. Johnny, darling, at last. I was in Deauville when I heard about the show and I came right to Paris. Darling, you were such a success and I've missed you so much. Oh, I'll see you later, Johnny. No, wait, Stephanie. I, I want you to meet... I'm Sophie Teal, Johnny's fiance. His fiance. Yes, we were keeping it a secret, but I think that's rather silly, don't you? Oh, yes, yes, it's very silly. Now, Stephanie, wait a second. Oh, Johnny, hold me close, darling. There, how does it feel to hold me in your arms again? Feels wonderful, Sophie. <laughs> wonderful. I saw Sophie every day after that, and she really was wonderful. We set the date of our wedding for November the 12th. I told Huck about it one afternoon in the shop. November 12th? For Pete's sake, Johnny, what'd you do, lose a bet? Oh, now lay off, Huck. Oh, oh Johnny, you, you haven't forgotten, have you? The annual Roberta party is tonight. The part? Oh, gosh, that's right. Stephanie, I'm awfully sorry, but I, I made a previous engagement. Yeah, previous, spelled S-O-P-H-I-E. <laughs> oh, now, Huck, I told you, lay off. You're the only guy I know who doesn't think I'm the luckiest man in the world. 
You want to bet? Stephanie, tell me frankly, wh what do you think of Sophie? Uh, frankly? Yeah, straight from the shoulder. Uh, well, Johnny, in my country, there's a proverb, all men should study carefully. A proverb? Yes, it's, uh, when your heart's on fire, smoke gets in your eyes. I don't get it. You wouldn't. You don't smoke. I suppose that I don't know what I'm doing. You catch on pretty quick. Oh, Johnny, it just means that you must be sure, terribly sure. I couldn't be more sure, but thanks for the advice. I'll see you around, huh? Oh, Johnny! Johnny! game isn't over yet. I once a girl I was going around with gave me the air. Do you know what I did? No. What did you do, Mr. Haynes? Well, 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 well. If it isn't my old sorority sister, Sophie Teal. Well, what did you do, Mr. Haynes? No problem, honey. I just broke a neck. <laughs> very, very funny. Gosh, she got it. Stephanie, I need a new gown for tonight. I'm having dinner with Johnny, and I want to look particularly well. 
Why don't you just shine up your fangs and let it go at that? Oh, I am sorry, Miss Steele, but it is impossible to deliver a gown in no under six weeks. Well, what's wrong with that chartreuse dress the young woman is carrying? Oh, no. No, that would not do at all. I insist on trying it on. If you refuse, I shall have to speak to Johnny about it. Marie, uh, please show Miss Steele where she may try on the gown that you're carrying. Thank you, darling. I was beginning to think you didn't want me to have a gown for tonight. Sweet, isn't she? Huck, oh. that's the dressy Johnny asked me not to exhibit at our show. He hated it. I cannot let her have oh, it. Oh, baby, look, she has to have it. And it's about time you stop singing those sad little songs. Insist on Sophie taking that dress, and the next time you see Johnny, be cool. Play hard to get. You've got to begin cooking on the front burner, Steph. Maybe you're right, Huck. Strike a match. I start dinner now. I took Sophie to dinner that night to a small, out-of-the-way restaurant where I thought nobody could find us. As I helped her off with her cloak, I saw she was wearing the chartreuse dress I had asked Sophie not to show. Why, John, what's the matter? That dress. What's wrong with this dress? It suits me perfectly. Why, it's positively indecent. Oh, you're just as much of a small-town hick as you were back in college. Maybe you'd rather see it on Stephanie. Now, leave Stephanie out of this. Oh, so that's where the shoe pinches, is it, Mr. Johnny Kent? You know, you were right about that dress, Sophie. It's just your type. How dare you! I despise you, John Kent, and I'm through. Do you hear? I'm through. It's music to my ears. Goodbye. Would you like to have the cab fare back to America, Sophie? And you too, Huck Haynes. You're both a pair of fatuous, nauseating, soporific bores. Oh. That's a lot of two-dollar words just to say nuts. <laughs> Huck, what are you doing here? Never mind, but it worked. Are you coming to the party at Madame Roberta's with me? Stephanie's waiting for you. Huck, you're not kidding, are you? Baby, I wasn't called on as Huckleberry Haynes for nothing. Let's go. <laughs> got there, Stephanie was singing. Huck, what do you think I should say to her? That song ought to give you a rough idea. When your heart's on fire, you must realize smoke gets in your eyes. So I chopped them and I gaily laughed to think they Doubt my love Yet today My love has flown away I am without my love Now laughing friends deride Tears I cannot Honor us after all, Mr. Kent. Where is Miss Steele? Sophie? Well, she went home. Oh, I see. And uh, having nothing better to do, you came back here. Stephanie, dear, 
May I have the next dance with you? I'd love it, Ladislav. Please, Stephanie, I've got to talk to you now. Will you excuse me, Ladislav? My business partner wishes to speak to me. Certainly, Stephanie. Well, John, what is it? Who is that Ladislaw? Are you in love with him? Ladislaw works here with us, and as for being in love with him, I consider that a very impertinent question, Mr. John Kent. Okay, baby. If that's the way you feel about it. That is the way I feel about it. All right. Then I guess this is where I came in. Oh, Johnny! Johnny, wait! I love you so. Is something to matter, Stephanie? It's Johnny, he's gone. He'll never know. He's gone, Ladislaw. He will come back, Stephanie. Oh, no. no, he will not. I know he will not. I could tell by the look in his eyes. mentioned earlier this evening that the railroads during 10 weeks out of the past 11 moved an average of more than 900,000 carloads of freight each week. This couldn't have been done without a lot of new freight cars. And the fact is that since the end of the war, the railroads have put in service more than 200,000 new freight cars. And they have put as many more in new car condition by a major program of repairs and rebuilding. Well, that's a lot of freight cars, but it isn't enough. So the railroads have ordered another 111,000 new freight cars, enough to keep the car builders busy for a full year to come. And before these are built, still others will be ordered. Altogether, these 300,000 new cars are costing the railroads more than $1,250,000,000. And that's just part of what the railroads are spending to provide better service for the business of the country and for you. When it comes to spending money, the railroads are in the same fix as the rest of us. What they can spend depends on what they make. And so, railroad service of the future depends upon railroad revenues now. That's another reason why it means something to everybody, that railroads shall be financially able to keep on making the improvements necessary to meet the growing needs of this growing nation. Our show train will return in just a moment after a brief pause for station identification. We return you to Roberta, starring Eddie Bracken, Jan Clayton, and your host, Gordon McRae. the party at Madame Roberta's that night, I was burning. I told Huck I was going to see Schwarenka. And on the way over to the Café Russe, I 
I kept wondering what Stephanie was doing. Oh, here you are, Stephanie. Look, I've been looking all over for you. Oh, Saul, I should cook, should I, Mr. Huggleberry Haynes? Well, look, now just hold on to your hat for a second. Do not speak to me, but I will tell you right now. I am through with this cooking. Yeah, I think it's about time, Steph. Johnny's gone out to do a little cooking himself. And too many cooks spoil the cooks. Uh, or vice versa. Well, look, everybody in the family can't be a cook. He's gone out where? Well, he's gone over to the Cafe Roost to see Sharanka, honey. And, and uh, if you want a piece of advice, you better go over there, too. And, baby, you'd better go as a woman. <laughs> When I got to the Café Russe, Shvarenka seemed awfully glad to see me, but I wasn't in any mood to be friendly. I, I kept glaring into space until finally the waiter came up with our drinks and said, Your drinks, Monsieur Dame, to Shvarenka special. Ah, now you will smile, my handsome bun. A toast to us. Sure, a toast to us. <laughs> what, what's in this thing? Vodka and gunpowder. I drink it each morning instead of orange juice. Hey, Johnny. Oh, fine, fine. I can't leave you for five minutes without you running into a morass. A morass? Who is a morass? In fact, what is a morass? Call me later, honey. Look, Johnny... Now, beat it, Huck. Get lost. Yes, yes, yes. Go away, small one. What are you doing here anyway? I'm booing mentally. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Princess Helena Anastasia Luisa Alexandra Stefania Romanov. The princess? Gosh, Huck, look, it's Stephanie. She's beautiful. And I've been such a sap. Well, you'll never make the headlines. You go and tell her you're a sap. Maybe she likes saps. Shvarenka feels a scream coming on. A big one. And now Shvarenka feels a hand across her mouth. A dirty one. <laughs> Stephanie. Stephanie. Good evening, John. Well, I don't blame you, Stephanie. I've been a fool, a chump. And now it's too late. Too late? I, I do not understand. Too late to tell you that I love you. But why, Johnny? Because you're a princess. Because you... Because you love Ladislaw. Of course I love Ladislaw, Johnny. Why wouldn't I love him? He's my cousin. Your cousin? Then he... Oh, what's the difference? You're still a princess. So? Well, Stephanie, doesn't that mean that I can't... I mean, doesn't <laughs> it mean that we can't? Mimosium, Doragoy. Okay, okay, rub it in. Who rubs it in? Then what did you say? I said, you can and we can. And, oh, please hurry up and ask me, darling. Please, darling, before the smoke gets in your eyes. Now, laughing friends divide, tears I cannot hide.
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. This is Gordon McRae giving a special vote of thanks to our two guest stars this evening, Hetty Bracken and Jan Clayton, Nana Bryant and Viola Vaughn and the other members of tonight's cast for their fine performances in our production of Roberta, which was adapted for radio by Ed Gardner and Don Ettlinger. Next week, our star-studded show chain will arrive on the same tracks at the same time. On board will be Margot, Leo Carrillo, Marion Hutton, and Sweeney and March to join me in bringing you the famous Ziegfeld musical show, Rio Rita, with our chorus under the direction of Norman Luboff and the music arranged and conducted by Carmen Dragon. All aboard! Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next week, goodbye. Remember, during the coming week, as always, the American Railroads will provide for you the dependable, low-cost transportation, which is so essential to the American way of living. presented by special arrangement with Tam's Whitmark Music Library. Gordon McRae appeared on this program by arrangement with Warner Brothers. This is Marvin Miller speaking. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the Association of American Railroads. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Chorus and our guest, the glamorous star of the Metropolitan Opera, Miss Dorothy Kirsten. So keep on looking for a bluebird and listening for its song. Whenever April of showers come. Good evening, folks. It's Al Jolson, the Kraft Musical. Tuesday, you know, is election day. But somehow the election this year, well, it isn't as exciting as it used to be. I remember my grandfather. Well, sir, he used to tell me about the big parade they had when Abraham Lincoln was elected. He described the horse-drawn floats, the banners, the costumes, the torchlights. Then he lifted me up on his shoulders so I could see for myself. <laughs> Here's a song I'm going to sing now that Governor Dewey ain't never going to sing. Play it. I'm just wild about Harris. Harris wild about me. The heavenly blizzard of his gizzard fill me with ecstasy. 
It's sweet just like chocolate candy And just like honey from the bee Oh, I'm just wild about Harry Harry's wild about I can't live without Harry's wild about me He's sweet just like chocolate candy, yeah, and just like honey from the bee. Oh, I'm just wild about Harry. Harry's wild about, I can't live without Harry. you something. Anything, Alfred. Mm-hmm. Just ask me whatever you want, go on, son. I notice your dressing room table's full of school books. Well, I, I was looking through them, you know, trying to find my old history book out there. You don't need a history book. You were there when everything happened. <laughs> but, Al, what's his sudden interest in education? Well, Oscar, I tell you, I've been reading in the papers that General Eisenhower has just been inaugurated as president of the Columbia University. And believe it or not, I've been offered a presidency, too. What college? Well, not exactly a college. It's uh, Mrs. Reba's nursery school for tiny tots. (laughs) President of a school for tiny tots? Yeah. Well, they probably wanted someone who was well up on his tottering. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, Oscar General Eisenhower is getting a better deal than I am. Besides his salary, Columbia gives him a beautiful home to live in. That makes him the only veteran to get any housing. Now, while you're being fitted with a freshman beanie, I'll matriculate at the piano. Good, Oscar. Listen, how about playing that, uh, medication from Thais? <laughs> medication from Thais? Yeah, something like that. I can't play that without a prescription. <laughs> well, shake the piano well before using and play anything you want. It all sounds alike to me.
Everybody's looking for money savers these days. Well, we have a good one for the cooks. Cook with rich golden cheese often. The price of cheese has come down, and golden cheese is a protein food ideal for money-saving main dishes. Actually, ounce for ounce, there's no other basic food that matches cheese for high-quality, complete protein, for calcium, phosphorus, and other nutrients from milk. So for money-saving main dishes, pick the smooth-melting Kraft pasteurized processed varieties, sharp old English brand or medium-mellow Kraft American, or get K brand, the natural cheddar made from pasteurized milk. It's fine for cooking, too. Plan a golden-rich cheese casserole or a glorious cheese sauce that'll economize by using up leftovers. Cheese main dishes will please the family and save money, too. Oscar, you know something? You're the only man I know who can play the piano and tune it at the same time. I'll ignore that remark, as there's no use discussing music with you. You just don't appreciate the good things. Well, there seems to be two schools of thought on that. Yes, and you didn't go to either one of them. <laughs> Never mind that stuff, Oscar. Let me tell you about my new picture started at Columbia yesterday. Yes, we started shooting yesterday morning. Now, the first scene is laid in Africa, where I'm singing to the troops. Two of the soldiers are standing there with tears rolling down their cheeks. You must have been singing to them for a long time. <laughs> Oscar, please, don't joke about this. It was sentiment that made them cry. The song reminded them of a girl back home. Shall I sing it for you? I would like very much to hear you sing that song, as you are the greatest singer in the world. <laughs> I... I like nothing better than to sit and listen to your magnificent voice. <clears throat> the preceding statement is not necessarily the opinion of Oscar Levant. <laughs> Oscar, brush the ashes off your suit and play, will you? <laughs> because we got a date with a Latin from Manhattan. Fate sent her to me over the sea from Spain, and she is one in a million for me. I found my romance when she went dancing by, and she must be a Castilian. She sees. Is she from Havana? Oh, the dream. But something about her is making me doubt I think I remember the kid. Yeah, she's the Latin from Manhattan. I can tell by her manana. She's the Latin from Manhattan. But not Havana. Though she does the rumble for us. And she calls herself Dolores. She was in the Broadway chorus. Known as Susie Donahue. She can take her tambourine and whack it, but the heart is just a racket. She's a hoopa from 10th Avenue. She's the Latin from Manhattan. She's the phony sex reader. She's the Latin from Manhattan. Senorita Donahoe. Velveeta! Velveeta! 
forgot to tell you. Yeah? I was at the Fires Frolic last Saturday night. Yeah? What a great show that was. I know. I was in it. <laughs> that act that Danny Kaye did with Jack Benny, Van Johnson, Jack Carson, and George Burns was one of the cleverest I've ever seen. Well, that's it, 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 it was a pretty good act, you know. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and George Jessel was simply stupendous. What a wit. And you know, Al, I thought Tony Martin's singing was about the smoothest I've listened to in a long time. That's good. I sang, too. I almost died laughing at Abbott and Costello. Oh, gee. <laughs> they, they really killed me with their jokes. Oscar, I told some jokes, too. And then, Al, came that moment. Yeah? The curtains parted. Go on. You walked out on the stage. How'd you like me, Oscar? How'd you like me? I didn't hear you. My little girl had to go uh, to the popcorn machine. Well, you're going to hear me now. I'm going to sing a song that's about 35 years old. For you, that's no. <laughs> I'm ready, Mr. Brain. Down among the sheltering palms Oh, honey, wait for me Wait for me Meet me down by the old golden gate That's where the sun goes down about eight How my love is burning, burning How my heart is yearning, yearning to be down among the sheltering palms for honey way for me I'll grab a taxi honey way for me One of the very best ways to stretch your food shopping dollars is this. Plan main dishes regularly that are rich with Kraft's nutritious golden cheese food. I mean smooth-melting Velveeta. Now, the price of Velveeta is down, and delicious Velveeta helps supply the high-quality, complete protein you expect from a main dish. What's more, Velveeta combines perfectly with other money-saving foods for hearty main dishes your hungry folks will go for. For instance, melt Velveeta into a delicious sauce for leftover ham or chicken or fish or vegetables. Or serve that satin-smooth sauce over macaroni or rice. Simply melt one-half pound of Velveeta in the top of the double boiler. Stir in one-quarter cup of milk and season the sauce to your own taste. That Velveeta sauce trick, which you can use dozens of ways, can actually save dollars on the food budget. So tomorrow, get plenty of nutritious, smooth-melting Velveeta to spread or slice for sandwiches and to use in economy cooking, too. At the food store, remember, one of your very best buys these days is nutritious Velveeta. Oh, Ken, come here a minute, will you? Oh, what is it, Al? Well, I've got to talk to somebody, and Oscar just doesn't understand. Naturally, I know. You see, there's something that's been worrying me lately. Yeah? Yeah, I've been bothered with dreams about beautiful women. Yeah, you must be worried sick. 
Well, believe it or not, I am, Ken. Why, it seems that any night I eat roast beef, mashed potatoes, peas, carrots, and squash, I dream I'm kissing Hedy Lamar. Well, what's bothering you? Nothing. I, I just want to figure out a menu for Ava Gardner. <laughs> Be perturbed about this. I am, things. though. I am. But really. you shouldn't be. It's just a it's a romantic stage that men go through when they reach a certain age. Yeah? Of course, um, I don't know why I'm telling you, you've reached that age twice. <laughs> but Ken, the thing that worries me that sometimes I I don't even have to be asleep and I dream. Well, uh, you wait right here and I'll bring you a couple aspirins. I'll be back in just a second. Carpenter's like all the rest of them. He doesn't understand. He didn't give me a chance to tell him that I can be standing here with people all around me. And suddenly, I hear music. And a beautiful woman appears. Hello, Al. How are you? Oh. Oh. Dorothy Kirsten. Say, Oscar. Oscar, come over here. You know Dorothy Kirsten at the Metropolitan Opera? Sure, what about her? Be a, <laughs> Be a gentleman. Say hello to her. She's standing right here. She isn't here. Gee, the old boy's finally lost his marbles. <laughs> Oscar, you ought to get your eyes examined. You ought to get your head examined. <laughs> There's no one standing here but me. And if I look like Dorothy Kirsten, I ought to be examined. <laughs> but it is Dorothy Kirsten, I tell you, it is. I can tell it's her by a butch haircut. <laughs> no, you, Sal. You're daydreaming. Nobody but you can see or hear me. Really? Come here. Let me pinch you and see if I'm dreaming. I think... I think there's madness on this network. Jack Benny hears echoes. Jolson hears Kirsten. Hears, I said. I don't hear anything but April showers. Dorothy, Oscar thinks I'm crazy. Maybe if he's seen something, he'll hear you. All right, Al. But that won't prove the thing. When you sing, Dorothy, it proves everything. How about that beautiful aura you're doing La Tasca? Vichy Darcy. Al. <laughs> Al. Vichy Darcy. <laughs> Even in my dreams, I can't pronounce them. <laughs> Oh, 
Bravo, Dorothy. Bravo. Oscar, wasn't that beautiful? What was beautiful? <laughs> Dorothy's song. I didn't hear anything. Dorothy, how come I can see you and Oscar can't? Because you're dreaming. Now look in this mirror. Notice? You can't see me. No, I can't. That's strange. Wait. I think I can see your dress. It's full of pleats and wrinkles. That's your face. <laughs> Will you please stop talking to yourself? I'm talking to Dorothy Kirsten. At least I think I am. Are you really here, Dorothy? I'll prove I'm here, Al. Pucker up. <laughs> Boy, are you here. <laughs> Al, Al, I, I don't mind you standing around. I don't mind you standing around puckered up. But please point it the other way. Oscar, I tell you, I see Dorothy Kirsten. I know it's her. Her beautiful eyes, her blonde hair, her red lips, her lovely figure. Keep talking, Al. She's beginning to come through. Then, then you see her, Oscar, huh? No, I don't, Al. You better watch yourself. You may be so sick that your life will become one long daydream with nothing in it but Dorothy Kirsten. Some sicknesses agree with me. Al, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to leave. Don't leave, Dorothy. I have to. I'm due in two minutes in Ken Carpenter's dream. Oh, you won't have any fun over there. <laughs> when better dreams are built, Josen will build them, really. Sorry, I must be off. You really must be off? Al, I think you really must be off. <laughs> Dorothy, please stay along long enough to sing with me, will you? All right. Oscar, will you play for Dorothy and me? Sorry, I can't play for Invisible Sopranos. Oscar. All right, don't. Oh, Lou Bring. Yeah. <laughs> Lou, Lou, will you accompany me in this number? Sure. Hello, Miss Kirsten. Hello, Mr. Bring. Lou, can you see Dorothy Kirsten? Yeah, I'm crazy, too. <laughs> That's enough out of you. Oscar, you play. I better humor him. Is Miss Kirsten ready? Ready, Dorothy? I'm ready. She's ready. Oscar, she said she's ready. Boy, have I got something to tell my psychiatrist tomorrow. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my opera gal. Send me a kiss by wire. Jolie, my heart's on fire. If you refuse me, honey, you lose me. Then I'll be left alone Oh, baby, telephone And tell me I'm your own Hello 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 <laughs> If you refuse me, honey, you lose me Then you'll be left Oh, baby, telephone and tell me I'm your own. If I call you up, will your wife object? She won't be home, Dorothy. Come 
Tomorrow when you go to the food store, be a wise shopper. Get plenty of Kraft's nutritious cheese food, Velveeta. Enough for sandwiches and enough for cooking, too. The price of Velveeta is down. And actually, smooth-melting Velveeta is one of the important protein foods, perfect for main dishes. With Velveeta sauce, you can stretch and glorify a little leftover meat or chicken into another grand main dish. You simply melt one half pound of Velveeta in the top of the double boiler, then stir in one quarter cup of milk. There's a little recipe every thrifty homemaker should remember these days. A half pound of melted Velveeta to one quarter cup of milk for the glorious cheese sauce that transforms leftovers. Tomorrow, get plenty of smooth-melting Velveeta. You know, folks, a few moments ago I was in a daydream. But I'm not daydreaming now when I sing the beautiful lyrics of this song. I'll be seeing you in all the old familiar places that this heart of mine embraces all day through in the small cafe the park across the way the children's carousel the chestnut tree the waiting world I'll be seeing you in every lovely summer day In everything that's light and gay I'll always think of you that way I'll find you in the morning sun And when the day is through I'll be looking at the moon But I'll be seeing you every lovely summer day, in everything that's light and gay, I'll always think of you this way, I'll find you in the morning sun, and when the day is through, I'll be looking at the moon. But I'll be seeing you. No matter what I do, I'll be seeing you. Our guests next Thursday, George Burns and Gracie Allen. This is Ken Carpenter saying goodbye. Be sure to stay tuned to Austin and Warner Guests on the CSS Variety Show, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.